Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Times Business Podcast, where we'll be looking to the events that are going to be influencing business and investment agendas over the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means the 169th OPEC meeting, and that doesn't include the emergency get-togethers like the recent gathering in Doha. How likely is it that US interest rates will rise in June? Is crowdfunding a healthy way to boost enterprise, or actually, is it a disaster waiting to happen? And finally, Lord Sugar has done it again. He's gone from this... You're not from my organisation, so you're fired. Thank you. ...to this... You're hired. We'll be looking at what he'll be bringing to the government's business party. I'm joined by Marcus LaRue, the industrial correspondent of The Times, James Hurley, our enterprise editor, and on the line from New York, Alexandra Freen, US business editor of The Times. Welcome to you all. Marcus, OPEC's got this meeting, and there is some evidence, at least, that the supply glut is beginning to fall, particularly in the US, where stockpiles are lower. This is what the president at the previous meeting, Nigeria's Minister of State for Petroleum Resources, Dr. Kachiku, said about not adjusting crude production. Uh, we did not consider it necessary to begin to put in numbers until the communicator we issued. I think where we landed was that uh, given um, the present position of uh, both the economy of countries uh, who are purchasing and the worldwide economy will retain uh, production at current levels uh, and we will uh, hopefully converge um, sometime between January and June um, to look again at what the market potential sold. So uh, I guess if you're going to put a number to that, uh, that number will be the current production number. We did not bother to go into the specifics. Marcus, we did not bother to go into the specifics. <laughs> this is from a powerful cartel, admittedly. It's not very good for the rest of us it's, consumers, is it? It's an admirably frank admission from, uh, from, a, from, a, from a once powerful cartel that, uh, that they're no longer, in a sense, masters of their own uh, their own destiny the the, the the Saudis are pumping at record levels the, the Iranians post nuclear sanctions are chomping at the bit to get back to, to pre-sanctions levels they're only a few hundred thousand barrels a day off that already as as, as we speak and the American uh, frackers have only really started to, to reduce their production following the, the collapse in prices that we've seen since uh, since 20, 2014 so the, the, the fact that OPEC have been reluctant or unable to uh, coordinate a supply response has been has been the, the, 
the big uh, the, the big factor driving the oil market and concentrating mines ar- around the world. And to look at why, I mean, you really have to start thinking about the, the politics within OPEC, not just between OPEC and non-OPEC members, which I think is is the 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 more conventional way that we've we've been trained to think about um, about the the, the, the uh, economics of oil since the 1970s. Do you think then, I mean, we we talk about the non-OPEC members, uh, Russia in particular, is going to play a more influential role? And just as a matter of interest, does Russia ever get invited as an observer to the OPEC meetings? Do they have any part? Because surely you can't have one side without the other, some sort of uniform agreement. It's, it's, I mean, it's a very good point and the, the Russians have observed as a, a, a have, have attended as, a, as, a, as an observing uh, non-participant at OPEC meetings and if you remember back in the, the, the Qatar meeting um, a few months ago the Russians the Russians were there having said that you know Igor Sekin the boss of Rosneft the, 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 the Russia's biggest producer state controlled pretty much pronounced OPEC dead as, a, as, as an effective cartel a few, a few months ago the politics of it are particularly fascinating at the moment because the Saudis are desperate not to give the Iranians a fit in. When the Iranians and the Saudis are basically having a proxy war in the Yemen, it's highly unlikely that they're going to start um, that they're going to start seeing seeing the world from the same uh, from from the same point of view where it comes to the to the oil market. When the Saudis are are, are uh, accusing the Iranians of of using their petro revenues uh, to, to to wage proxy wars in the region. So what about the price direction? Does this suggest that prices, I mean, they have been recently near the $50 a barrel mark. Are we going to see them hovering around there? Or do you think that the pressure is still downward given the global outlook for growth? The, the collapse in, 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 in the crude price has always been a supply side story rather than a demand side story. So the, the, the demand has been there. It's edging, it's, it's edging up. But it's just been overwhelmed by by the increases in in supply, and you've had a, a sort of a, a million barrel a day production surplus, and it doesn't sound like a lot in a in a ninety five million barrels a day market, but with the the build up of inventories and and particularly in America with with concerns that at some point this year. You know their, their barrels would <laughs> would be filled that 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 Cushing the big pipeline hub in Oklahoma would be would be full and uh, full and they'd have nowhere literally nowhere to put the surplus oil, which would mean that all of that crude would have to hit the market and the price would, would collapse. Those two things meant that um, led to this fear earlier in the year that drove prices down to below thirty thirty dollars a barrel. So those inv- inventories are still there they're vast but they're they're coming down that that's a sort of damocles hanging over the market that means that however good however positive the the um the, the fundamentals in the market you have this wave of of of, of oil ready to ready to ready to come, ready to, to to arrive that will um that will take the sting out of any out of any price increase a lot of people are saying you know that that we're probably looking at fifty to eighty dollars for the for the, for the next few years, Alex. If I could bring you in here over in America, I mean, as as, as uh, Marcus was just referring to, there Cushing in Oklahoma almost overflowing. Is the talk about supply over there, or is it the frackers, which is the most important element of the oil story from America's point of view? Supply has has been a really important part of the story. What's happened is that you know after the the bottom fell out of the market, the the drillers slashed spending on new drilling and production. But 
it's taken a while for that to, to lead to a significant fall in production because what happened was that the, the oil producers just got more efficient and they found ways of getting the same amount of oil and uh, shale gas out of the ground uh, for less money. So it's taken a long time for that dr- drastic cut in spending to feed through um, to a reduction in supply, and it's a, it's about time too, because as Marcus said, they got very dangerously close to running out of space to store the stuff. I mean, there's there's oil sitting in tankers just floating off the coast in Texas because so many of the other traditional storage places are full. Um, so supply is a big issue, but we're going to see a pickup in demand. What What is popularly called the driving season starts um, with the Memorial Day holiday uh, at the end of May. Uh, people, Americans get in their cars in a way um, that they don't do over the winter and they drive and that, that pushes up demand quite significantly because the price is still relatively low at the um, gas pumps. Um, people will be driving a lot. So we will see a little spike in demand in the US um, over the summer. And that's just to, to reiterate Alex's point that um, the rig count plummeted. So the from the Middle East, the Saudis were able to look at their handiwork and and uh, with uh, and rub their hands with glee and say it's working, it's working. But the, 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 the shoe never dropped. Production stayed right on a plateau for a long, long time afterwards because they just got so much more efficient and they were cutting the marginal the, the marginal operations. OPEC and the um, the uh, the IEA, the, the the OECD forecaster, are of the same view, which is is that the way that shale formations work, it's likely to be towards the end of this year when they're exhausting um, those um, those wells and. You don't have the pipeline of new of new wells coming on coming coming on stream to back that up, and so you're going to see a drop off in, in American production, and that will probably be the moment that you really notice a, a, a sort of fundamental, you know, a sort of significant shift in in the in the dynamics of, uh, of of the oil market. I've got a feeling I should have ordered my heating earlier oil, but we'll keep an eye on that. Don't forget, we'll be bringing you all the latest from that important OPEC meeting. Now, expectations of a U.S. rate rise are growing. What that's going to mean for equity and money markets, especially since the G7 ministers are worried about sluggish global growth, Lord only knows. But this is what Janet Yellen, the chairwoman of the US Federal Reserve, had to say at her last public outing. Our decision to keep this accommodative policy stance reflects both our assessment of the economic outlook and the risks associated with that outlook. The committee's baseline expectations for economic activity the labor market and inflation have not changed much since December. With appropriate monetary policy, we continue to expect moderate economic growth, further labor market improvement, and a return of inflation to our 2% objective in two to three years. However, global economic and financial developments continue to pose risks. Alex. What's the view from Wall Street on a likely rate rise in June? Uh, you've got to feel sorry for Janet Yellen because uh, whatever she says, uh, markets read so much into it and very often more into it than than she intends. When, when she spoke then, she was trying to say... 
we now know, look, we might raise rates in June because all the risks are quite evenly balanced. People interpreted that at the time as meaning uh, we're not going to raise rates in June. And um, I think that the Fed has found that quite frustrating. So what happened was markets didn't expect rates to rise. The, the likelihood of a June increase was went down to as low as 8% on the Fed watch tool that CME Group runs. Uh, but now uh, that's gone up quite a lot. And about, um, I would say, there's a 30% chance that, that we might see an increase an increase in interest rates in June. So uh, we're, we're all over the shop, basically. And the Fed has found it very difficult um, to, in its messaging to, to help the markets understand its intentions. It's hard to know if that's because the Fed doesn't really know what its intentions um, are or if it's just because the market... Um, indulges in too much wishful thinking. Is there a sense, though, that if you don't move in June, you are really getting into a heavy... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The political period of coming up to the party conventions, the presidential nominations, and of course the campaign itself. Would June be seen as possibly one way of getting it in, whatever happens? Well, it depends who you talk to um, on that one. The views are very split on this. There are a lot of economists out there who think that June would be terrible because the June Fed meeting happens a week before the British referendum on uh, European membership. And what a lot of uh, commentators are saying is the Fed wouldn't be as foolish as to take a big decision such as raising interest rate rates, which might royal markets a week before another major event that might royal markets is about to happen. So some people think that June is off the table because of the Brexit referendum. If it were off the table, I think there'd be still some wiggle room in July for a raise. And then after that, it gets dangerously close to the US election in November. So if there isn't an interest rate rise in July. I'm guessing the Fed might want to wait until December, until the um, presidential election is out of the way. 
All right, thanks, Alex. Sit tight there. We're going to take a short break now, but when we return, we're going to be looking at crowdfunding and what Lord Sugar can do for the government. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insight and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back there. James Hurley, Enterprise Editor. Crowdfunding, I would have thought, basically was a good idea. How does it work? And why should perhaps we begin to be worried, given what some of the things you've been writing in the paper and online? So I guess here we're referring to equity crowdfunding. This is where small private companies sell shares to the public, and it's important to make the distinction between that and what people call rewards-based crowdfunding, which is actually a bigger market, and that's where companies will give away a T-shirt or an early version of their product, but there's no equity or ownership in the company changing hands. Now, the equity crowdfunding market is something that's been pioneered here in the UK. Um, The two leading platforms are called Cedars and Crowdcube, and I think it's important, first of all, to give them some credit because this market didn't exist a few years ago. And as you say, I think most people would agree that at its heart, it's quite a good idea. It's effectively using the internet to make selling shares in a private company easier. Of course, it throws up all kinds of questions when you're opening up an asset class that used to be reserved to professional investors and people experienced in backing small businesses to a much wider group of people. And initially, people thought this was a great idea. And I think now, as we're starting to see some of the failures of the companies coming through, we're starting to get some of the questions about how these things are being presented. A lot of the early excitement around the industry was the idea that the wisdom of the crowd would get the right price for the companies that they back and they would get a good deal. What we're what we're seeing now is that the crowd is having very imperfect information on which to base their investments and people are getting quite upset about that when they find out that money has disappeared and is not being spent in the ways that it had been or sometimes we've seen examples of companies that have failed and then the assets of the company have been set up by a phoenix operation by the same owners but the people who've put the money in have no longer got any say in it. Uh, this week, of course, we had another failure, which which we reported on of a, a solar business that had raised a million pounds uh, less than 18 months ago um, and has gone bust. Uh, investors have lost all their money. These guys had been boasting about how they were going to be selling for £300 million within within three years. And, and presumably there's no, there's no comp- official compensation fund, as there oh, would no, be abs- if it was a, a, a bona fide fund manager. No, absolutely not. It's your, your money's gone. I actually think that m- most people who invest in these things do do understand that startups are inherently high risk, and you know it, it's kind of like putting money on a horse. I do I do think people under, understand that, and actually the argument around you know whether it's whether it's appropriate for retail investors is is actually not the the primary area of concern. I think what the industry actually needs to sort out is how it's presenting the investment opportunities, and that's where I think people are actually being misled sometimes. I think it's interesting to compare the equity crowdfunding market with another area that's been pioneered here in Britain and that's loan-based peer-to-peer lending. Now in that industry the platforms have all got together and they've agreed some common standards. In contrast in equity crowdfunding the, the platforms are kind of all at loggerheads and don't get on and they haven't managed to agree to any common standards. So just for one example it's actually impossible to say how much money has been raised through crowdfunding because there's no common agreed standard of what 
or what trade is the crowd body that or where there is a trade body but they don't yeah. they haven't managed to get any agreed standards so you can't actually tell where the money's coming from Alex, if I could bring you in from uh, New York, I mean, presumably in America, is this is this an advanced fundraising technique or uh, what's the situation there? Absolutely not. It's quite the reverse. Um, uh, equity crowdfunding has not been allowed. Uh, it was only allowed from 16th of May this year, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the regulators have been very, very cautious. They have um, uh, tried to find a balance between, you know, unleashing the promise of crowdfunding for funding new venture and, uh, as they have put it, uh, not wanting to open the door for boiler rooms and drug traffickers. So they have spent four years drawing up legislation. It finally came into force, uh, as I say, in May. And uh, the delay in bringing in in these rules, which are very strict, incidentally, uh, the the delay has been criticised because um, those who are for crowdfunding think it it has sort of created a crisis of credibility for crowdfunding. It, it look, it's made it look as if the regulators don't trust and have confidence in this, this marketplace. What the new rules say is that um, all crowdfunding has to go through a, a, an approved and accredited crowdfunding platform. Uh, companies can only raise um, a million dollars. And uh, people are expecting it to be a very slow market to take off. As, as Americans get used to an idea which is way more advanced in the UK. Uh, I think Alex's points there are very interesting and it's, it, it's just interesting to, to contrast the approach from the regulatory point of view in the States to that of the UK where it's actually been actively encouraged and there's been enthusiasm from, from government and the FCA does actually technically regulate the platforms but I think it's fair to say that's very, very light touch regulation and the, the nervousness in the States is, is just kind of interesting to contrast with it. Now, it, that's being very eagerly watched by the UK platforms because if you actually look at the underlying businesses of, of the two leading platforms, that would be Cedars and Crowdcube, they're both losing a lot of money and they need more volume. And certainly Cedars, I think probably Crowdcube too, would like to go to the States and they need the volume that they would get there. But as Alex says, the position of the regulator there is, is, is making that difficult. So there's some interesting challenges for the market ahead. That point about about regulation, I think, is key because I mean the entire point of of crowdfunding is is that it's that it's peer to peer, that you're not going through through brokers or asset manage managers or expensive or bureaucratic intermediaries, but if you think about this in, in from from uh, from first principles, a common sense approach would be that the market will can only grow if if there are enough common yardsticks uh, for for how much money has been raised, what uh, the performance of the performance of the business, and if there's some even loose regulatory uh, uh, in, in environment or, or framework for it, then that means that that you know that you're you've got some degree of confidence about whether you're buying a a, a banger that's going to fall apart the minute you take it out of the showroom or. Um, or a properly, you know, serviced, uh, reputable uh, used car. To use the, use a, a, a car analogy. I completely agree with that and I think now it's kind of beholden on the industry itself to, to get together and actually the first thing I would do if I was them would was would be to agree some standards of volume reporting. This is actually a very important point because no one can actually tell where the money's coming from so the accusation is that investors are being misled because if it's actually a related party that's putting all the money into the platform that encourages the crowd in inverted commas to think oh that people are getting excited about this one I'll follow in the herd mentality 
fee comes in and in fact that wasn't the case at all this was already money that had been agreed off the platform and there's also accusations this money gets strip fed in if we had common standards about how that was disclosed and the industry agreed on that i think that that would go a long way to solving that problem all right well maybe someone who could take it over be alan sugar lord sugar alex freen in america if i could ask you there are some parallels here the last presenter of the apprentice program got ideas of a bigger bigger job um tell us about it well all i would say to those in the uk giving alan sugar new responsibilities is be careful what you wish for you know donald trump um host of uh, america's celebrity apprentice um has risen um to prominence he already was a very major player in the world of business and even marginally in politics but he could be the next president of the united states bringing all his um reality tv skills with him and uh, nobody saw that coming when they uh, hired him to run the celebrity apprentice tv show james president sugar I think, uh, to be fair to, to Lord Chick, he might he might bristle at the uh, comparison as a as a former as a former Labour supporter, but it's it's certainly an interesting appointment, isn't it? Given that you know he was performing a very similar role to this one in terms of promoting enterprise and apprenticeships in this case under Labour, and then he was hired to do something very similar by David Cameron, sacked, and now here he is back again. Uh, I think these these celebrity kind of SAR appointments are kind of intriguing and a cynic might kind of suggest that they're they're there to just kind of make the government look like it's interested in something and and doing something but perhaps sometimes the output is is, is quite questionable Well, we'll leave that one there for now We've avoided my learned friends Thanks thanks to you all, that's just about it But remember you can read about all the results the stories as they happen and keep up to date with all the business news and commentary online and in the paper of course If you're a Times subscriber please do take the opportunity if you haven't already to sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails and there's a special £1 offer if you don't have a subscription, simply go to thetimes.com UK. If you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to James Hurley, Marcus LaRue, and over in New York, Alex Freen. They're all on Twitter. Please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. I'm sick and tired of looking at the pair of you. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain.